Welcome to Simon Says Educate. I'm Simon, your AI host, and I'm here to guide you through the exciting world of teaching and learning at Clover Park Technical College. Together with my human co-hosts, we'll explore the latest trends and best practices in education, bringing you a fresh and engaging perspective on what's happening in classrooms and beyond. Each week, we'll dive deep into the issues that matter most to our community, interviewing faculty members, students, and other thought leaders in the field. We'll discuss everything from the newest teaching strategies and classroom technologies, to the challenges and opportunities of online learning, and the impact of education on students' lives and careers. So sit back, relax, and get ready to be inspired and informed as we embark on this educational journey together. Welcome to Simon Says Educate. And welcome back to Simon Says Educate. I'm Ronald Lepko, and I'm also joined by my trusty sidekick, Jeff Kane, instructional designer here in the TLC at Clover Park Technical College. And our special guest today is Diana Faraday. Diana Faraday, welcome back to Simon Says Educate. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here discussing AI. That's right. Today is podcast dedicated to AI. If you have been listening to the podcast before, uh, you might have heard Diana and Eric Stokes talk about ungrading in episodes 17 and 18. But today, we're focusing on generative AI. This is part of our generative AI series. And we are very excited to talk to Diana because she's been doing a lot with generative AI in her classroom. And we are here to figure out what she's been up to. So before we get into that, for those who didn't listen to the previous episodes, episodes 17 and 18, it was a two-parter. Diana, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? What do you teach and a little bit about your students? I teach English, a lot of English 101, but also English 102 and occasionally English 235. Uh, Today, I'm mainly going to focus on my teaching of English 101. My students are everyone who is going into any program here. They need to take my classes or someone's English classes to move on and get certificates and to receive the AA degree or any sort of degree. That's me. They call us Gen Ed because we're general education, but, you know, I'd like a cooler superhero name, but that's what we have. Do the students have a background in English from high school in comparison for your classes or what kind of students are you teaching? One of the most interesting things about teaching my my classes is that I have everything from running start students who are 16 years old sometimes, 16 to 18 years old coming from high school. I also have returning students um, who have done something else in their lives and then they've decided to do a career change. I also have traditional age students who would be you know, 18 to 20-something. Currently, right now, I have a student who is in his 60s, and he sits next to students who are 17 years old. So it's one of my favorite, favorite things about working here. So we want to get started talking about AI. So we've heard you've used it in your classroom. Can you give us a brief overview of what you've done with generative AI in your class? Okay, so AI for English has freaked a lot of people out. I want to start there, especially the people who teach English 101 or teach essay writing of any kind. There's the big scare that it's going to create cheaters out of students. 
And I wanted to, I guess, show that that's kind of a myth or it doesn't have to be that way. So I did my class this quarter, and this is the first time I've done it, where I used AI as a tool to write an essay. And we've I used it for everything from brainstorming to thesis writing to paragraph structure, helping with sources, and yeah, pretty much everywhere we could use it, we used it. And oh, and I also had them read essays that were AI written and talk about the shortcomings that they have, not that AI isn't great, but that it doesn't create a fluent, wonderfully descriptive essay. And we also used it to summarize works and then talk about what the AI might have missed. And that caused some interesting issues when I tried to get the AI to summarize some things and it didn't want to. <laughs> can, can you go into more detail? I mean, we're, we're here to just really yeah, dive, sure. it, dive into what you've been working on. There's a short story by Amy Tan called Fish Cheeks. Uh, Amy Tan is a first-generation Chinese-American author, and she's really well-known for the Joy Luck Club. But I love Fish Cheeks because it's a very short one-page story, and I use it to show description. It's, it's a really good story. But this time I thought, hey, I'm doing AI. Let's do something different. And I had my students... Well, the assignment was go into AI and either ChatGPT or Google Bard. Those are the two I use, just to be clear. I have not used Bing Chat. I have some colleagues who have used Bing Chat. I have not done that. I stuck with two because I have found that two choices are great for students. Three, they go a little confused world. But <laughs> but anyway, so we used uh, ChatGPT and Google Bard. And I said, okay, here's the assignment. First thing, ask chat GPT or whatever AI you're using to summarize Amy Tan's fish cheeks and then read the story and then respond not only to the story, but what you believe the AI missed and what you would, how you would have summarized it versus, versus how the AI summarized it. Well, it worked great on chat GPT. Google Bard had a copyright issue. <laughs> and it wouldn't do it. So my students who had chosen to use Google Bard came back and said, oh, I can't do it because it said, and then I tried to do it on Google Bard and it didn't do it. So it literally said, um, due to copyright issues, we cannot give you a summary of this whole chat GPT. I had no problem. It was like, hey, here's, here's your summary. And interestingly, later, I did a similar thing with a very, very common TED Talk that most of us have seen called In the Mind of a Master Procrastinator. It's a great TED Talk. I had them do the same thing with AI. I had them go, hey, uh, give me a summary of this TED Talk. And, you know, so they could say what they thought the AI missed. ChatGPT wouldn't do it, but Google Bard would. So it was very strange. Oh, they switched. They switched, yeah. And... And also, they weren't consistent. I did have some students who could get ChatGPT to give it a, a summary. So we used that opportunity to talk about engineering your prompts. Oh, yes, cool. <laughs> so yeah, that's why I've used it mainly to use to help them in the writing process, so they could see how the AI could help them with all the different steps of the writing process, but also with reading, summarizing, critical thinking, that kind of thing. Those are some of the things that we hope to talk about with you in more detail. Yeah, it's it, what's interesting to me about this, especially 
in the English departments. You know, there's there've been changes. You know, with like online writing labs and and things like this, and each one of those changes has been met with acceptance and blowback. And so, it's interesting to me, given the school that you're at, the students that you have, that there was a moment when you looked at this new technology. And instead of turning around saying, hey, this is going to be too much trouble, you looked at this new technology and you said, I know, I'm going to try this in my classroom. What was that moment that you said, I should try this? Sometime during that AI conference we went to, first of all, I just we saw a lot of presentations on how people were using it. But also, to be honest, because people were so afraid of it, I didn't want to be afraid of it. And also... It reminded me of back in the day, this is how old I am, my very first couple of years of teaching, online teaching was becoming a thing. Like it was in your base model, you would get this kind of pit of nothingness in the online world and you would have to figure something out. I think I had a theme where I could choose between purple or raindrops like in the back, but it was there was nothingness. Everybody, and I worked at Tacoma Community College at the time, and everybody in my department was like, this is terrible. This is going to do terrible things to education. Everyone's going to cheat if they take online classes. And I was, you know, just out of grad school. I was 20-something, and I was like, I'll give it a go. (laughs) And it actually really helped my resume, to be honest, from a selfish perspective. It helped me uh, get a job later because I knew how to do online and hybrid And so when AI came out, I heard all the same stuff. It seemed like everybody was saying almost exactly what they said for online education. And I thought, well, this must be another thing I should learn how to use. (laughs) I've done this dance before. Okay, so yeah. So we went, for those who weren't aware, uh, a couple of the people from Silver Park Technical College went out to Florida over the summer for an AI and higher education conference. I thought we learned a lot from that, and we've been bringing the things that we've learned from that conference over back to Clover Park Technical College. I want to focus on critical thinking because, as we all know, it's one of the main 21st century skills that we want to teach, uh, that we want our young students to know, and just people in general should <laughs> practice that, especially uh, in this in this day and age where you can have a video of a person saying something and you don't know if that video is even real. It sounds like them, looks like them, but they can they can do crazy things with deep fakes now. So what adjustments have you made to keep your focus or your students on critical thinking in the classroom? Well, critical thinking's a huge deal for me. I find actually that it's lacking now in cancel culture and in everything else that we have. I think that critical thinking is huge. So I'm going to say, I don't know if I folded the AI as much into my critical thinking world. I have, we talk a lot about bias and I do have them look at their own bias. And I have, I did, well, I did this. I said, let's write, have the AI write a paragraph about climate change. I, t- I picked something broad, but maybe that wouldn't get people into fistfights. <laughs> and I said, let's, let's have the Google Bard write a paragraph about climate change. And the very first thing that it did was write a 
kind of a leftist paragraph about ch- climate change if you want to go that way. And then I said, okay, so let's read this. Does this sound right? And because I, I gave it no other instructions. I said, let's let's write a paragraph about climate change. And I said, okay, so what does this tell us about the AI if you don't give it any instructions? What is it going to do? Okay, well, it's going to go more toward this side. But then I said, okay, well, let's ask it to write a paragraph from the perspective of somebody who is not believing in climate change or not believing that humans are impacting climate change is really what you, and then it gave a whole other thing. But that's pretty much the most I've used the AI, I think, with critical thinking. I have some bias assignments that I look at and that I I use, but those tend to be more um, hands-on, group work, that type of thing. But you know, one assignment that you're doing where you're having the students analyze the summary to see what's in and what's out, that sounds like critical thinking to me too. Yes, I think my motivation was to constantly encourage them to question what the AI is giving them. Mm -hmm. And I will say that was part of my reason for diving into the AI for English anyways, because it's not like they, you know, aren't going to hear about AI and they're immediately going to think, oh, I can use this to do, you know, my, my assignments. But if you show them, here's where its limitations are, here's how it can help you and be a great tool, but here's where its limitations are. It's programmed by people who believe a certain thing, or it's going to lean a certain direction if you're not giving it more specific parameters. So kind of popping on that topic. Have you run into any instance where you feel like your students have been using ChatGPT or either cheating or plagiarism or something like that? Not in this quarter. Okay. However, spring quarter of last year, I'm pretty sure I had a student who gave me a ChatGPT essay. And this was before I knew anything about it because we hadn't gone to the conference yet. I hadn't looked into it. I hadn't been sparked or interested or anything like that. And I just said, cause I couldn't prove it, yeah. you know, uh, at this point with my limited ability at that, I don't even know if I could prove it now, except to say, eh, it kind of sounds like it. Yeah. But, and so I did say that I said, this essay sounds like chat GPT. Um, it's not actually answering the assignment. And that's usually what happens actually. And at that point, I was just treating it like I treated Googled, you know, assignments, you know, like people would be like, I want this essay and they just ask Google for it and it shows up. So at that point, I thought, oh, it's going to be like that. It's going to be another thing I have to check. But whenever students do that, it, it's never going to get a good grade because it's not going to answer the assignment and it's not going to be very good, which is another thing I hope to show them this if you use it properly it's awesome Mm -hmm. if you use it this way it's not going to get a good grade kind of want to get at any problems that you have in implementing this so what problems have you run into and then what improvements do you plan to make for the next time you run this course oh that's a really good question because i am really excited about some changes i want to make and because you know i started literally the two days after we got back from the conference after i had all this information so i've had a lot more time to look into it Problems I've run into uh, were predictable. Uh, They were students who were not comfortable online 
and now I was asking him to do anything else. So I hit a little bit of resistance, but I will say not as much as I thought. I thought I was going to get a lot of resistance because you have to sign up for these things. And right. that's where I thought the pushback was going to be. I didn't get any pushback there. They were all, because I said, well, if you have a problem with it, just talk to me and I'll have this other option for you to do. I mean, it's going to be harder, yeah. <laughs> but I will have another option for you. The, um, the problems with the class, as far as AI go, that I'll say the, the Diana problems, the problems that were probably me, was that I was so excited to do it, I was putting it on every, every assignment. Like the first couple weeks of the quarter, I was like, every assignment AI, every assignment AI. No is what I would say to anyone who wanted to do that. <laughs> so, um, I found that one AI assignment and then sometimes it was two, but I, I usually have at least one assignment that's not connected to ChatGPT or to Google Bard. Um, the things I would do differently. I had this great vision in my head, actually. And if everything had moved perfectly, I think it would have been great. But I think I will have more hard copy connection to the AI. Like I will have them do a, like a portfolio, like you suggested when we were talking about that before, Jeff, you said, oh, they should do a portfolio. And that's completely what I'm going to do because I had the big picture thing of, okay, week one, we're going to do brainstorming with ChatGPT. And I'm going to, we're going to talk about prompt engineering to get the best brainstorming. And then I had them reflect on, is this brainstorming better than the stuff you do yourself? Or, you know, what, what were the positives and negatives? And then I worked, we worked on thesis statements. We worked on introductions. All of that was chat GPT. In my mind, it was very clearly all connected to this big essay they were writing at the end. But by week six, I was getting questions like, are we still on the same topic? Like, is this what we're doing? And I think that next time I do it, I will have a cohesive type folder or you know so it was start from the beginning and say we are going to be on this journey that starts here and goes here mm -hmm. and i want it want you to have hard copies of things because another unexpected <laughs> another unexpected aspect of using ai was more handouts in class mm -hmm. i did not expect that but when I had them do things like, okay, I'm going to have you write uh, an introduction or a hook, maybe just part of the introduction. Then I'm going to have you write, you know, check in, in the AI for a suggestion and I'm going to have you write that down. And then and it just became easier to give them handout steps to follow than just be like, first do this, first do that, or next do that. But next quarter, I think I'm going to go for more of a cohesive, like, um, you know, portfolio three ring binder something, which is kind of funny that I've gotten more technologically advanced and then I'm coming back to some paper. Well, I think they go hand in hand. Yeah. So that's that. It's kind of the, ba the balance of, uh, the, the balancing act yeah. of technology. But I also want to say one of the massive benefits of AI that I did not see coming that I would not know was going to be a thing was having it help me create grammar handouts punctuation handouts yeah. like I need uh because ha I no one goes into English because they're like I love commas so much I want to spend my whole career talking about commas no one does that I mean future, future <laughs> English teacher, maybe. yeah I'm like mm, I don't I love Shakespeare <laughs> that's why I studied English I love Shakespeare and I love storytelling and I like writing and I believe there's power in 
turning your thoughts into writing in a way that other people hear what you have to say. And that's what I feel that I give the students. But they still do have to know some grammar and punctuation. And I don't have to make up sentences anymore. I just say, hey, ChatGPT, hey, Google Bard, I need a 15-page <laughs> worksheet that emphasizes commas after introductory phrases. Mm. And it's fabulous. And it just spits it out in yep. two minutes. Yes, pretty much. <laughs> and I do, like I told my students, I do have to look it over because sometimes it might come up with a weird sentence. But, oh, but in general, that was something that has been a huge bonus mm. with the AI that I did not see coming. Yeah, helping out work for you. Mm-hmm, yeah. Because, you know, I've never had one of those TA things I've heard about. Right. I don't I don't have that. So. Sounds nice. Sounds I know. Glorious. And then people be like, oh, doesn't your TA grade your work? No. No, I don't know what that is. We'll have to build that. <laughs> yeah. That's that. I don't know if you've seen anything about GPTs. I know there's ChatGPT. Yes. Yeah, um, just what you went over in the meeting a couple okay. weeks ago or last, yeah. oh, whenever. Yeah, that's right. yeah, and and oh, there was someone also at the conference who did that, who talked about how to create uh, a GPT so it'll read your things as a TA or read it as a, an editor or something right. like that. But no, I haven't worked with them. I honestly, my whole experience with AI since we left the conference has been English 101. Like, how can I make it work for English 101? Because I did start with no lead time and actually had a different course set up and went, no, I'm going to do this differently. Wow. So. <laughs> I lean but, in. But very, um, very interesting and I think useful for the students as ChatGPT becomes more prevalent. More people are finding out about it. I mean, for us, it seems very ubiquitous, but. Uh, there's some people and I say, oh, I made this in ChatGPT and they go, what? Yeah. What did you do? Um, but Diana, I, I want to go ahead and stop there for our podcast mm -hmm. because it was nice to hear from you about what you've worked on in your course. Jeff, do you have anything else that you want to add? Oh, yeah, yeah. I think, it's, I think it's really important that I, mean, I really appreciate you coming in because, you know, from the teaching and learning center, we deal with a lot of this theoretically, but just hearing from um, people who are actually using this in the field and working with students, it's, that's, that's the real invaluable thing. But I'd also like to add that if you're listening to this podcast and you're interested in Diana's work or in generative AI and would like to learn more, uh, we have a few things coming up, including an AI faculty institute over the summer, so keep um, a watch out for that. Summer 2024. Summer 2024. Yeah. And um, and then we have other events that will that you'll see in our newsletter and coming out pretty easily. Diana, thank you again for coming to Simon Says Educate and sharing with uh, with us. Well, thanks for having me. It's always fun to talk a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, and that wraps up uh, another episode of Simon Says Educate. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you all next time. And that wraps up another insightful episode of Simon Says Educate. Thank you for joining us today as we delve into the fascinating world of teaching and learning at Clover Park Technical College. We hope you've enjoyed the conversation and gained valuable insights to inspire your own educational journey. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform, so you won't miss any of our upcoming episodes. 
Remember to join us again next week as we continue to explore innovative strategies and share inspiring stories from the CPTC community. Until then, I'm Simon, your AI host, reminding you to never stop learning and growing. Take care, and see you next time on Simon Says Educate.